Your Honor, we have undeniable evidence that Chance Wilder attempted to hack into multiple bank accounts and steal money. We request the maximum penalty. That's right, Your Honor. Chance Wilder is a menace to society, and we must put an end to his hacking shenanigans. Objection, Your Honor. My client is innocent until proven guilty. We believe there's been a misunderstanding. Chance Wilder is a misunderstood genius, not a criminal. Order in the court. Let's hear the defense's case. Your Honor, I present to you Chance Wilder's latest creation, the Hacker Helper 3000. This incredible software was designed to protect innocent people from cyber threats. Chance's intentions were pure. Objection, Your Honor. This is just a ploy to distract us from the real issues at hand. Indeed, Your Honor. We even have evidence of Chance Wilder's hacking attempts. He's gone so far to have left the digital signature saying, catch me if you can. Chance Wilder, I've heard both sides of the story. Hacking is illegal. Since you like to take wild chances, I sentence you to community service where you use your skills for good, helping organizations protect themselves from cyber threats. Oh man, no money and community service. Shut up and take the deal. Well, there's another good job done by our district attorney, just in case. It was a team effort. And there you go, folks. Justice was brought to Chance Wilder, but I'm pretty sure he'll be up to his shenanigans again. So tune in, and that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Welcome to Black and Blue, the podcast that's just for you. We bring solutions to everyday problems. We are here to humanize the badge. By interviewing first responders and discussing their trainings, experiences, and publications. Black and Blue airs weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune in.
start the show. And here we go. Let me get the full screen on here. What's that going on? There we go. I got it now. Thank you, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in, I am your host, Coach Clee. I'm your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker. And welcome to another episode of Black and Blue, where we go live weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And when we go live, we have a special guest who's here, and the special guest is in law enforcement or they're a first responder. And they're no, they, the topics are normally about them being a rookie, seasoned, or a retiree about their experiences, trainings, or publications. And I got an all-star lineup for you for the month of August. And I and, and right now we got the guy back here. He's backstage. I'm not going to say his name right now because we're still in the intro. But some of you may already know him. Others of you don't know him as of yet, but you will by the end of this live. This is an interactive live. So make sure if you're looking for a shout-out, put your name where you're from in the comment section. If you have a question, Put it in the comment section. And because I can't see who's on here because we're streaming on five different platforms, you're going to have to be interactive. Make sure you hit that like button. Keeps the algorithm going. Likes are free, ladies and gentlemen. Hit that like button for me and keep those comments flowing. We'll address them as soon as we can. We're on two uh, pages on Facebook. We're on two pages, two uh, channels on uh, YouTube, and we're on one on LinkedIn. So wherever you're at, give that shout out where you're at. I see you got one. Who we got on here? Shayla's talking about good evening. Hello. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tag, like, and share. We appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Got a, a good show. But this platform, One Way Publishing, along with Sergeant Be Safe, you already saw one of the cartoons, and we'll have an all-star, but we got, uh, we're debuting three cartoons tonight, and you already saw one of them. So we're going to play the other two throughout the commercial breaks. But One Way Publishing is the sponsor for the platform and Sergeant Be Safe. One Way Publishing is a book publishing company that their motto is they could turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. So if you ever thought about having your dreams documented, changing the future, speaking about the future, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, autobiography, biography, a children's book, cookbook, weight loss book, so many different things that you may have wanted to do, One Way Publishing is your place to go. And the, the website, workwithclee.com, it's in the description box. It's also in the comment section, and it'll be scrolling throughout the course of this podcast. So make sure you check that out. But here, here's a little segment from One Way Publishing that'll explain it a little better than I can. Publishing. Have you ever wanted to explain something, tell a story, or leave a piece of you behind? Have you ever wanted to write your own book, but not specifically know how to do it? Well, get ready. One Way Publishing's here. We can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. People need to learn from you. They need to hear that story. Kids need to read that book. Imagine if you wrote your own children's book and get to read it to your kids. Here at One Way Publishing, we can get your fiction, nonfiction, fantasy, instructional, what have you, done. All at a reasonable price, and definitely a reasonable time frame. And if you don't believe me, ask Sergeant B. Safe. He's working on his right now. He's definitely writing the best chapter of his life. Make sure you check out his cartoon skits that air on the podcast Black and Blue. As Sergeant B. Safe said, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.
And there it is, One Way Publishing. And I wrote five books through the uh, the pod, I'm sorry, the publishing company, One Way Publishing. This is the most popular. Hashtag grudge. We talk about mistakes, talk about holding grudges, talk about uh, forgiveness, talk about letting go of anger. Les Brown says it best. Holding on to anger is like holding on to a hot piece of coal and expecting, expecting the person that you're angry with to feel the effect. Sometimes you need to let that thing go and move on and get your own breakthrough and, and start the healing process. That book's on the website as well. Make sure you check that out. But enough about that. I'm going to jump into why you guys are here. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to welcome to the stage Michael Delaney. Michael Delaney is a retired uh, a police officer, homicide detective with over 31 years of experience. He's currently an investigator for the water utility company in uh, Maryland, and he's a, con a conflict resolution officer in that area as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I probably butchered that, but I know he's going to um, come on the stage and correct me. Let me bring him to the stage right now. Mike, are you here? Hey, hey, what's up, brother? I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Thank you for making yourself available to come on here on the platform and let us learn about who you are and exactly what you do. Hey, thank you for having me, my brother. Absolutely. Get these banners corrected. There we go. And you see, scrolling below, you see his name right below, and you see his uh, website scrolling below as well. Can you tell us, before we jump into the meat and potatoes in the interview, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, so I've been in law enforcement uh, since 1992. Um, okay. Like you said, this is my 31st year. Um, I started off as a federal police officer. I uh, spent two years there, and in 1994, I joined the uh, Prince George's County Police Department in Maryland. And throughout my career there, I investigated homicides and police-involved shootings and mm -hmm. robberies and other major crimes, you know, trying to catch that those guys like Chance Wilders, <laughs> you know, those Chance Wilders of the world. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> like you said, I'm still an investigator with a uh, water utility company here in Maryland, just outside of D.C. Um, and also I'm a, a senior instructor, like you said, for uh, Insight Policing, mm -hmm. which is conflict, conflict resolution for law enforcement. And pretty much what we do, we work with um, work to equip our participants whether it is law enforcement or uh, civilians, we try to give them the ability to recognize conflict behavior um, and those challenging interactions that they may see on the job when they're getting cursed out or yelled at. And we try to get them ready to, to engage with that effectively so they can start to see or start to come to solutions that will help them solve that problem. Right. So. Right. All right. So what 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 gave you the the bug to actually want to get into law enforcement? When did you have that burning desire to answer the call and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and take care of this. I'm I'm jumping in. I want to be a first responder." Man, it's you know what? I never like had that bug. I was never one to go around <laughs> in high school like oh, I'm gonna be a cop. I want to study to become a cop. It just I was a, a coming out of high school. I didn't go to college. I was a courier for the federal government. Okay. And I, I came across a couple of uh, federal law enforcement officers and I started to talk to them and they were approachable. And uh -huh. it, it just, it seemed like it was a good fit for me, you know? So I, I, um, I tried it out and became a federal police officer. And then, you know, I just got hungry from there and I had to do more. So I, you know, I became a, uh, a county officer right after that. Okay. Any kind of experiences or, or, uh, the trainings that you went through that you could share with us to help mold you into the officer that you are today? Yeah. You know, a lot of it is, is, was on the job training, to be honest. I, um, 
you know, uh, Coach Glee, you and I talked a lot about uh, my man Mo Hicks, Maurice Hicks, mm-hmm. who you had on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he he mentored me, man. He okay. um, he actually he he put the investigative bug, you know, mm-hmm. g- gave me the idea to 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 do that. You know, I wasn't wasn't thinking about investigations, and I met up with Mo Hicks. He was my sergeant, mm-hmm. and he he just told me, you know, about all the investigations that he had prior to uh, becoming a sergeant. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me just give this a try. And thank God he, he came into my life at that point, because that, that's what really motivated me to do it. And, you know, like I said, it's a lot of on the job training. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my investigative career out in the robbery unit. And uh, those uh, people listening that um, have any kind of background in, in, as a robbery investigator in a major police department, you know, you see everything. And that, that's how I was. I saw it all. So that that started to build my hunger to become a homicide investigator. Gotcha. So, yeah, so I was able to do that within you know five or six years of doing the robbery investigation. And so it's safe to say, yeah, yeah I was going to lead into it, but you dropped his name, and I appreciate that because he was a great guest that we had on the show not too long ago, and he wrote his own book as well. Uh, Maurice Six was on here; he mentored you. Uh, he. Well, it's safe to say that he took you well up under his wing and you developed a, a, a um, investigative style after his after his tutelage. Man, yes, it, it Mo was always we were in patrol together and mm. patrol is a uniform officer pretty much handling uh, running from call to call, whatever, right. you know, whenever someone calls 911, whenever there's a motor vehicle accident, we just we respond. And those are the people that you see in uniform, the police officers and. Mo, he would always, I call him Mo, but he, he would always base everything that he did off of good communication. You know, I don't care how how uh, bad that situation was. It, it could be a shooting, stabbing, a homicide. He would always break everything down and communicate effectively. He, he always had a calm approach and a, and a, a, a big presence there on those scenes. Hmm. And I just watching how he was able to get people to interact with us just based off of his demeanor and his you know his calmness i just developed my my uh interviewing style after that gotcha and so being on a lot of those traumatic scenes like you said uh uh car accidents sometimes being fatal or our uh burglaries that turn into home invasions that turn also robberies or or shootings homicides so many different things seeing a lot of those traumas uh how did how did it affect you throughout the course of the job? And I ask that because I mean I know we're going to lead into the, the business that you have on the things you don't think about afterward after all that trauma or after that scene is the cleanup. But originally, how did that affect you? Man, it it, it really affects you. Uh, at the time, I really didn't know it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being in Prince George's County, we were right outside of D.C. or Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. And we had a high number of cases. We assisted uh, uh, D.C. Police Department, Metropolitan uh, Police Department, gotcha. as well as Baltimore City. Okay. And it, it a lot of times we would have case after case after case and seeing uh, these victims and dealing with family members and seeing the blood. At the time, it really didn't bother me as much. It, it wasn't until I uh, matured into my position Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming home from work and talking to my wife and making sure my kids were OK, you know, that's when it started to really, really get to me. You know, I, and I spent 14 years there. 
as a homicide investigator. And that was that was a long time to to spend there, you know, at a high level. Um, but it, it really affects you. You know, we I, I really think that uh, investigators and officers who come across these scenes, they, they need to talk to a professional and, you know, to, to get some healing, you know, to mm-hmm. to really discuss what they're feeling at that time. And it, to be honest, we were so busy that it, it really we didn't have a, a lot of an opportunity to do that. I believe that. Yeah. So being so busy and, and going through from call to call or, or case to case, I should say, like that. Um, and you're seeing the effects and you're seeing the victims. And then afterward, the aftermath. A lot of a, a lot of people don't think of, you know what, after a, a, some sort of homicide, some sort of a, a nasty suicide, uh, there's still you've got splatter. You've got a room that needs decon disinfected. Is that how, what got you? They gave you the bug to start your own uh, platinum fam, family cleaner business. To go in there and do the cleanup, and you know, okay, this is a bad situation, but this area we need to take care of this, so life still move, moves on in somehow or some fashion. Well, so the, the blood really never bothered me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I was I, maybe a little crazy, but I feel like I'm being, I was blessed. I was looked after uh, by God, but mm-hmm. the blood never bothered me as much. But um, what started me into that to the uh, blood cleanup, biohazard cleanup, was we had a couple of family members uh, um, in a couple of cases that they lost a loved one inside of their residence, wow. and they didn't they didn't have insurance to get the to, to have a company come out and do the cleaning for them. Mm-hmm. So our squad, uh, a couple of our squad mates at the time, we we went home, changed clothes, and we actually went in and did the cleaning for for the people. Wow. And it, you know, after, you know, after doing it a couple of times, I said, let me look into this because this, you know, it really doesn't affect me as much. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was able to get the certifications back in 2012 to do the uh, biohazard cleanup, and mm-hmm. it, um, I, you know, I hadn't stopped since then. Gotcha. And not only with crime scenes, uh, you also do. I, I believe I saw on the website it helps uh, with COVID cleanup and and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the services that you offer? Yeah, so we do uh, mainly residential uh, disinfecting services. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now in 2023, I think the numbers are starting to go up now as far as the, the COVID cases that we're having. They're starting to go up. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we provide disinfecting services uh, for residential customers as well as uh, we provide services for um, homeless shelters in our area and churches yeah. and restaurants as well. We okay. try to go in and um and eliminate the bacteria that cause these uh viruses gotcha. like influenza gotcha gotcha and thank you for sharing thank you for sharing that's something you got to be a big person to do that not everyone can stomach a crime scene for one not everyone can do the job firsthand because you have to endure a lot you have to see a lot you got to take on a lot you're dealing with people you're dealing with situations and you're dealing with a lot of visuals as well then once you deal with that you, after that case is closed bad guys get arrested case gets solved and you move on you still have evidence of that scene that needs cleaned up and then you have a, another group of people that go in there and they have to stomach what they see and some people can do it some people just can't you see a, a whole a big pool of blood just stained into a carpet that's already dried up you start seeing uh, you got the smells in there you got the the uh, insects that are coming in the bacteria that's a, that's a big deal so i mean i commend you on that too that's not something very easy to do oh no and that's you're right. All of that is true. And, 
when you add on the emotions, uh, the emotional side of that, of it being your loved one's blood or, or body fluids, that, that kind of even adds more to that. And it's, it's right. even more difficult to clean that up. So that mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a real important service that's provided there. Gotcha, gotcha. So therefore, I'm going to transition a little bit. Tell us a little about, a little, uh, excuse me, tongue-tied, I'm sorry. Told you. Before we got started, I was backstage and said, I'm probably going to lose my voice halfway through it. Uh, my voice has been fluctuating. I got cough drops right here. So therefore, we're going to make this happen. We're going to make it go through. Uh, but if I lose my voice, forgive me, the boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. But you guys know what I'm trying to say, all right? But uh, jumping back into this interview, tell us a little bit about Insight Policing. Yeah, so uh, Insight Policing, I actually uh, took the course back in tw- early 2020, uh-huh. back when uh, COVID was, was starting to ramp up. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, I think, the last in-person training that I took. Okay. Um, but the foundations of Insight Policing and the fundamentals that, that they stress, it was how I based my career on, on communicating with people. Okay. Um, the, the foundation is to recognize emotions that that uh, people are displaying. Mm-hmm. Okay, people are dealing with all kind of traumas. It could be anything from uh, calling about a, a stolen uh, vehicle tag to a shooting investigation. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's important to them. You know, and a lot of times as officers, when we're running from call to call, we may be coming from a, a, a death of a baby. Um, and going to this call, the, the theft of a, a, a license plate, you know, right. a tag from a car. Right. And as officers, we, we're human too. So we need to learn to, mm-hmm. we have to get insight in ourselves to, to realize that our emotions may be running high. Mm-hmm. And well, even in those cases with the stolen tag, their emotions are up there because that's important to them. Right. Absolutely. So what we do, what, what we do is we try to, uh, show the participants um it, it's good to recognize those emotions and not get drawn into that to to start to uh, ask questions about that mm-hmm. and to effectively listen to people and start to formulate your questions around those emotions and the what and how they're feeling right and that'll start to lower their guard and um to, you know they, they start to communicate better with us and that's what we want to you know we want to be there so we can start to solve problems right that sounds to me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sounds to me like it, it goes hand in hand with community service as well, or community policing, I should say. Um, community policing, getting down with the public, understanding de-escalation techniques uh, that we discuss. Um, understanding, yes, um, to each victim, it's a priority to them. Could be most times to us. Well, it could be a high priority or low priority. However, we have to check ourselves and acknowledge and understand our feelings. So when we go into it, we're going into it. Everyone treating everyone equally and fairly. <clears throat> exactly. It's that's community policing. I think that's where we need to get back. We we have to to start to rebuild our relationships within the community. Mm-hmm. You know the community that we serve and live in, you know, that's the only way that we're going to be able to solve these problems and uh, be approachable to the citizens, to the community is, you know, to, to have our policing style around community oriented policing. Right. And how do you see uh, the conflict resolution and, and insight policing? How do you see it shaping officers today for a better tomorrow? Well, I think, uh, one way, a better tomorrow, that's a good point, um, because I think recruiting 
our future officers and our future investigators is very important. Right. Um, I think when we come in with a professional approach, when we're open, when we're listening, when we care about what's going on, mm -hmm. I think the community that we serve, they start to respect us again. And mm -hmm. we need that respect to develop uh, these younger people to, to, to take over our positions. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's, listen, it, it could be from, again, recruitment, or it could be developing a confidential source or mm -hmm. networking in that neighborhood to solve that rape investigation or that homicide or wh whatever's going on in that community that's important. And, you know, when we can do that, we start to uh, lower the, these tensions that are out there and we start to work together with yeah. that community, the, the police and, and the uh, community start to work uh, together. And that's where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Working together hand in hand. Again, we talk about that a lot on the show with community policing and um, with insightpolicing.com. The website's here um, scrolling below as well uh, with this uh, organization. If you go to the website, what can you expect to see or learn? Um, you can see that a lot of our instructors that we use are, are I mean, we've all been through it. We, we've walked the walk. You know, mm -hmm. we don't uh, manufacture, manufacture instructors to come through and just read the uh, uh, PowerPoint to you. Wow. We, these are lived experiences. You know, these, you know, I talk about some of the homicide cases that I've worked and police involved shootings and things like that. And we have other investigators um, that, that also train, whether it's, uh, school resource officers or park police officers. We we have been there. Mm -hmm. And we're led, uh, the director and founders, uh, Dr. Megan Price, uh, okay. she has her PhD in conflict resolution. Okay. And when we uh, teach together, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's big. You know, it's an mm -hmm. interactive uh, training. It's a two-day course for, for law enforcement. Okay. And we, we've actually been um, working with, technicians with uh, utility companies because they've been experiencing uh, people letting dogs loose on them and oh, wow. them. yeah oh, it's, it's it's a mess but it's Ooh. it's been helping them so we've it's not you know conflict is uh, something that we all experience me as a parent not just a, as an officer mm -hmm. yeah but everybody experiences so we you know we go through and we talk about what we've experienced and we talk about building ourselves up building our, our own tools up so we can start to deal with that moving forward hmm. so it's interesting that you said things have gotten so down bad that we're, we're utility workers are being attacked by the public for so many different issues now uh i mean so it's it's it, it, it's cyclical on uh how we're, we're like we did since COVID law enforcement has kind of gone down and it seems like we're coming back up, but it seems like other areas are being attacked differently. The monster has changed. Right now. And you're right. It, the monster has changed. And I tell you mm -hmm. what, nobody is immune from that. I don't care. You know, when I was back in robbery, um, it's, uh, from 96 to 2001, mm -hmm. we had churches, uh, <laughs> being robbed during Sunday service. Wow. You know, some of the guys went into the back after they collected um, the money for, from the service mm. and they robbed the, the church, you know, the, the church members there and, you know, the uh, pastor. And I'm telling nobody is immune from this. So we try to um, try, try to equip people with the, the ability to, to communicate. Now, listen, if, you, if you're being robbed, then we're not asking you to, to go out there and try to communicate during that uh experience you you want to gain control of a situation if you can 
Right. I mean, if sometimes gaining control is giving up whatever they're asking for if you're being robbed and uh, moving on to live for the for the next day, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but we, we just try to tell people when you can communicate to try to get, um, you, you know, utilize the, the the techniques that we can we we build the foundation for to mm -hmm. to allow you to try to solve these problems. Gotcha. Gotcha. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, stand by right now. We are going to jump into a certain Be Safe commercial and we're going to jump right back. So I hope you enjoyed this one. This is another one that's debuting tonight. Settle down, class. Sergeant Be Safe and Captain Chaos, you're here. Hooray! I'm just here to educate and keep people safe. Hello, Maya. We heard that there were some safety concerns in this classroom. And I thought it would be a great chance to showcase my superhero skills. Thank you for joining us, Sergeant B-Safe and Captain Chaos. We've been discussing school safety and the importance of education. Absolutely, Miss Gaynor. Safety and education go hand in hand. Let's start by talking about school safety. And remember kids, safety doesn't have to be boring. We can make it fun and exciting. For instance, take a look at this example, Maya. We're always told to walk in the hallways and not run. Yes, Sergeant B. Safe, we learned that running can lead to accidents. But what if we could run safely, like superheroes? That would be awesome. <laughs> That's right, Captain Chaos, we can use our imagination. But we must always prioritize safety. Thank you for emphasizing the importance of safety, Sergeant B-Safe and Captain Chaos. Now, let's talk about the importance of education. Education is its own superpower, Maya. It opens the door to endless possibilities. And with knowledge, you can conquer any challenge that comes your way. I want to learn everything and become a superhero like you, Sergeant B-Safe and Captain Chaos. You absolutely can, Maya. Remember, education is the key to unlocking your true potential. And remember, even superheroes never stop learning. We're always discovering new things. Hooray! Thank you, Sergeant B-Safe and Captain Chaos, for reminding us of the importance of safety and education. It's our pleasure, Mrs. Gaynor. And remember, kids, stay safe, keep learning, and you too will be unstoppable. And don't forget to have a little fun along the way. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I hope you like guys like that one. You know, we're going back to school, so we're going to have school bus stops, school classrooms. I uh, got the great voiceover. That those actors, Shayla's talking about, starting to be safe, is always on time with those videos and with his video topics. Absolutely. Yes, you are 100% correct. So make sure you guys give it a like, a thumbs up for those starting to be safe cartoons. But we're jumping back in the interview right now. 
got Michael Delaney back here. We were talking about insight policing and conflict resolution. And I want to ask you this. Can you give us an example? If you had to de-escalate the situation or do some conflict resolution, can you give us a, an example from start and I'll walk us through it all the way to how it finishes? Just so for those of us who aren't used to it, who may be used, uh, brand new in law enforcement or just the public, just curious how we operate. Can you, can you show us, help us out with a little bit of, of that? Yeah, sure. So, um, like we talked about before, before the break there, watching, mm -hmm. uh, uh, watching the, the cartoon there, we talked about noticing people's emotions and, mm -hmm. and that's big because when they start to display those emotions, when they're upset, um, you know, that, that that's something that's important to them. They're upset, but that's something that's important to them that's going on. It may not necessarily be what's important to us, mm -hmm. but this is a hurdle that they need to get across. They, they're trying to relay a message to you. So mm -hmm. the first thing that we teach is, is for them, for, for participants to notice that emotion. Okay. You know, like, hey, uh, uh, Coach Clee, I see that you're upset. Mm -hmm. And what you do, you, you pause and, and give them that that door, that avenue to start to talk a little bit about why they're upset. Mm -hmm. And they may say, yeah, I'm upset. I'm, I'm mad that, you know, I, you know, I just washed the car. Kids are out throwing snowballs and one broke my window. I'm upset about that. Mm -hmm. So then after we listen to that, we start to, you know, we, we uh, repeat back what they say. Oh, so you're upset because you, you just washed your car and kids in the neighborhood threw snowballs and broke your window. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that starts to open a person up. And I know that's something minor that we're talking about, but it, it starts to open them up and they start to be, you know, feel more relief. Mm -hmm. They feel relieved be, uh, because you're listening. They get that off of their chest and they start to give you more information. Yep. Now, this is something that we, we did as well in, uh, in homicide interrogations. You know, we, we start to establish rapport. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I both know people don't, you know, you, you commit a homicide the last thing you want to do is is to talk to a police officer an investigator or anybody in uniform mm -hmm. so our job is to establish that rapport mm -hmm. and get them to feel more comfortable in talking to us that, that this may take hours to do but right. it's the same principle um of doing that of establishing that rapport is listening and communicating effectively and you know repeating back what, what a person says to you mm -hmm. and that's how uh, before I left, I was training homicide, uh, new homicide investigators. Okay. And that was the biggest thing just to don't rush this, this, this situation. You get one shot at it. Mm -hmm. Sit down, listen to them. If it takes you 15 hours, take 15 hours to do it. But once you establish that report and you can start to get a little closer and get the information that you want. And that's again, that's from the broken window from the snowball or. Uh, talking to a homicide suspect where you need to establish that rapport before getting into the, the real situation. Right. And so, and I know I'm pretty sure you've experienced it in, in the course of your career. And I know I have building rapport on one incident carries weight further down the road too, because after you deal with that, yes, broken window, <clears throat> excuse me, with the snowballs, then you move forward. And then again, maybe two years later, something else happens in that same area. And that person who you already built rapport with comes out and says, you know what? You might want to go knock on that door over there. They, I know that they were looking out the window when such and such was going on. That, that is, that's, that's such a big, I mean, you know, you summarize that, that that's so important to, to a network and to uh, mm -hmm. build these relationships. Mm -hmm. And what we call it in, in the police world is um, 
uh, developing a, a confidential source. Um, yeah. Because people in the community, they know who's committing these crimes. It could be their family member. It could be their neighbor. And, you know, for whatever reason, they may not give it, give you that information first. Mm -hmm. But if you show them respect uh, in the beginning with that uh, broken window call, mm -hmm. they're more than likely to, to, like you just said, call you back maybe two, three months down the road and say, look, man, I, I need to talk to you about something more serious than that broken window. Yeah. And you have to be there. Sometimes, listen, you may be doing more favors than they'll be doing for you. You know, they may need help with a ticket or mm -hmm. to contact another officer and help meaning to explain what's going on, what, what to expect when they go to court or, you know, how they can take the proper steps into to getting themselves together. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it that's all in developing relationships. You know, this it may be something small that you're dealing with at first, yeah. but who's to say that they don't have information about a, a, a double homicide in that area or rapes or robberies? Exactly. So, people have information. We just have to be ready to accept that and know how to get it out of them. Mm -hmm. You ready to talk to them? Yeah, I know this, this job is, is a, a very it's con conflict resolution, but it's conversation also L learning how to associate with people, get down on what's perceived to be their level or having a conversation goes such a far away. I know a lot of officers, especially newer officers, they want to get into it. They want to help people. They want to do the right thing. They haven't understood uh, the gift of gab, per se. Uh, they're looking to, okay, active call, bank robbery, I'm there. That's your guy. Let's go get him. Bam, done. But then, yeah, that happens once every once in a while. You get that adrenaline dump that quick. But the job is more a conversation, is interaction, is public engagement, is, is being a person to another person. You, you're right. And it's, I mean, that could be on, on small calls like the broken window, mm -hmm. or it could be you going to a, uh, to a robbery. You know, talking to, this, to, to the uh, victims, the witnesses, and the suspect's family. It's the same mentality. Like you just said, it's the, it's the same approach. You, learning mm -hmm. how to, to uh, communicate, to have that conversation, to get a person to continuously talk to you. That, that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing. Once you get that, then, you know, once you develop that, then you, you've, I mean, that, I would say that's more than 60, 70% of police work is, is yeah. effective communication. Absolutely. And so... With uh, learning how to communicate and getting into the shop, doing investigations, we, we're seeing in law enforcement, as we do in other occupations throughout the nation and the world, um, the quiet quitting, the um, um, the not, uh, no one wants to work, uh, we're, we're not getting the applicants, we're not getting the recruits, or we're not retaining people. Uh, as far as uh, the Platinum clean, Family Cleaning Service or <clears throat> law enforcement itself, what would you say to anyone who's kind of going back and forth in their head and like, I kind of want to do this. I don't know if I should, but but let me go ahead and take that leap or should I take that leap? They come to you and say, Mike, I'm thinking about uh, I want to do some crime scene cleanup or I want to do some first responder. I want to be a law enforcement. What what should I do? What kind of advice would you give that young man or woman? Man, I tell you, it's, well, those are two totally different things, but yeah, um, yeah. I'll start off with the uh, law enforcement. I've been doing that much longer. <laughs> mm -hmm. I break down everything, you know, to people, to the young folks. Um, I let them know, you know, I talk about retirement, talk about the benefits, uh, health benefits. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, it, it's th th right now, th this is, you know, the world <laughs> is there for you pretty much. Um, but you also have to 
you, you have to do your research in it. You have to understand where policing is now. You know, I, mm -hmm. I told you I started back in 1992 and uh, policing now is totally different. It's totally yeah. different. I mean, with uh, social media, with uh, so much information available at your fingertips, it's, I mean, you're kind of behind the eight ball as an officer, but we always have to be a step ahead of everyone else. We really do. And I, you know, I talk to people about that. I'm, I, I say, this is a lifestyle. This is not a job. This is not like uh, going to work a shift at McDonald's. And, you know, once you take your uniform off, you're done. Mm. This is, uh, you know, especially as an investigator, you know, you, you're a slave to your phone. I mean, three o'clock in the morning, I was always getting calls. My wife was, uh, I, I had to deputize her a couple of times just to take a <laughs> phone call for me and uh, get me ready to go out. But, you know, I just tell people to, just to look at every aspect of, of law enforcement, if that, you know, whether it be joining the academy and being physically fit for the academy and mm -hmm. your, your nutritional values and things like that. And talk about um, your, if you're going to have kids and how this is going to affect your spouse and things like that. Um, so you, you try to and I tell them to go on a ride along. I tell yeah. them to find a department that um, offers ride-alongs, that offers, offers citizens the opportunity to ride with an officer mm -hmm. just to experience that, to, you know, go on that to see how, how you feel. And as far as the uh, crime scene cleanup aspect of it, the number one thing is to, you better have a stomach for it. <laughs> especially if you get into the field and you get a job and you, it turns out you get a job and you don't have a crew available. You better have the stomach to be able to get on your hands and knees and do that cleanup. And <laughs> it's a dirty job. And I mean, literally a, a dirty job. And it's not for everybody. And mm -hmm. even the business itself, I mean, we may go two or three months and we may have four or five calls uh, for cleanups um, back to back. But yeah. we may go three or four months with no calls at all. Right. So, right. You know, it's, it's a tough business. It, it really mm -hmm. is a tough business. And I, I just... Um, I try to tell people just to re do your research at it and make sure that this is not all you're doing because you, you won't have a, a roof over your head if this is all you're doing. So right. Just know what you're getting into. Gotcha. And not to make light of it, it kind of sounds like snow removal. Like you can't predict all the storms that will come in the wintertime. Some days you'll get a blizzard. You got massive cleanup back to back to back. Other times you'll just have a, a real dry winter and just won't have anything to do. <laughs> it's exactly that's how it is. Mm -hmm. Some winters you don't have snow, and that's that's how the uh, blood cleanup is. That's a good point. Yep. Got former guests who we gave the shout-out to, Maurice Hicks here. He's saying, great conversation, th gentlemen. Thank you for the shout-out. Absolutely. Mike is an excellent guest. He is able to touch law enforcement from so many angles. There you go. And he also said uh, great advice while you were talking about uh, the cleanup as well. Shout-out to you, Maurice Hicks. Um, second part of the question that I asked also, uh, we talked about new recruits, people who are kind of got one toe in the pool, not knowing if they want to jump in or out. Let's talk about the old timers, a guy who's been on 10, 15, 20 years or so. Uh, they're kind of right there. They can see the, the light. It's a little dim, but you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and they're almost right there to retirement. Uh, and they have so much to offer. They have so so many so much experience and knowledge to share, but they've done what they call the quiet quit, uh, and they're they're just trying to hang on. Or they you've seen a lot throughout the country just retire even prematurely in mass droves. What would you say to officers that are right there, men or women that are that are right on the cusp? 
I would say, and I mean, that, that might be me. Like I said, I'm in 30, my 31st year, but I would say <laughs> it, it's our position to reach back to the younger generation of officers and citizens, not just police officers, but the community. And I mean, you, you have to mentor to these people, but you also have to understand that we're not too old to learn. You know, mm-hmm. like I said before, policing has totally changed. Yes, policing yeah. has changed. If you 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 better be computer smart now to to I mean to run a tag, to write a ticket, yeah. to do a background check on someone. So you, you know you have to be willing to learn. But mm-hmm. I, I think a big part of it is reaching back, recruiting potential uh, candidates as officers, but also to uh, mentor those officers that are on on the department already that you see uh maybe going down the wrong path or whatever reason it may be and pull them back to show them the right way to to do things and that's again i you know i owe uh, mo ten dollars for that shout out that he gave but that look I, I i have a lot of gratitude for him for doing that with me and i i can say i've done that before leaving prince george's county and i still do it to this day i, mm-hmm. I always reach back because Look, you know, I have kids out here now driving and um, experiencing things. And if they come into contact with an officer, I want to make sure that that interaction is professional and that, you know, they both can uh, learn from it and they both feel good about the situation. Absolutely. That is a big deal. And reaching back and inspiring does motivate as well. It it still it it gets you like you said, you're, you're, you're talking about Mo. Uh, and and others officers are talking about you some that you may not even know we're talking about you or looking up to you reaching back you still leave your signature behind while the job is still being done i totally agree look legacy is big whether it's with the family or with the department it's big and you know i can say that i i my name now within prince george's county police department is is respected i did my job um the job that i was supposed to do and i did it at a high level. I wasn't just there occupying a seat, and especially in the homicide unit, I mm. it, it was almost to a fault though. You know, my wife would always tell me, um, you know, because I would always want to go in and help out on other cases, mm. and she she would always have to pull me back, like, look, just can you sit down for a minute and and not be involved in everything? And it's uh-huh. it really helped me out. But it's again, it's big to really to um, you know when people look up to 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 the experiences that that you had and they they kind of tap you for for your knowledge it is big it, it really feels good yeah i believe it and like you were saying like your your wife had to sit you down a few times because you you want your willing to willingness to help you know that you can be effective you know that you can help teach or like have you thought about it this have you talked to this person so many different things that you were able to do how are you able to, to balance the work life in the business operation through the court work, working at a high level that that's got to be taxing on the mind body and soul but how are you able to balance everything and still have a productive family life and career man i tell you i my biggest thing was not like trying to be get rich from my uh from from the uh, blood cleanup it was mm-hmm. a big part of it was showing my kids how to become a business owner Okay. and explaining every aspect of the business not just you know when people hear about crime scene cleanup they just all they think about is going out to the scene mm-hmm. but there is you know the business aspect of it as well uh obtaining insurance for your for your uh company mm-hmm. making sure that uh your workers are insured and they have the proper documentation and 
the proper uh, certification and things like that. And also, you know, explaining to them what the uh, the importance of pro uh, personal protective equipment mm -hmm. is, the PPEs mm -hmm. um, and that the gloves, the uh, hazmat suits, mm -hmm. shoe covers and the goggles and things like that. Those are very important. Right. And, you know, people respect you when you provide all that to them, you know, because you have some companies that just get people out and, you know, they, they're required to buy their own PPEs. But I, I make mm -hmm. sure everybody has that. I make sure before we go into any um, scene, whether it's, whether it's residential or commercial, if it's a blood cleanup or disinfecting uh, service, mm -hmm. uh, we make sure that we spray to try to kill all the bacteria before entering. You know, and that that's big. It's not required, but. I want to make sure that my people are protected as well. And, you know, and showing the kids that aspect, the business aspect, paying your taxes and mm. keeping good records and maintaining your certification, that, that's big. And that's um, no matter what you do, whether it's crime scene cleanup or if you have an accounting business, you, you have to make sure that you take care of your business because that's your name. That's your livelihood. And if you, you know, you want to make money and, and you want to last, you you have to do things the right way. So I try to teach them the right way to do things. Good point. And as it segues in that uh, you're doing legacy building as well. Uh, yeah. And still being able to help people, still being a first responder, but you're building a legacy that you can pass down from you to your kids and, and shows them, okay, you, if you had to build this wall and they saw you do it brick by brick, they can understand, okay, daddy did it too, and he did it brick by brick. And so, yeah, I know this, I know that. I can do it too, whether they want to take on the family business or not, or whether they want to move on and do something else. They know the uh, the efforts that were involved in being uh, a good uh, employee and building a and uh, being a great uh, business owner as well. No, it's, that, that's it. I like the brick by brick. I mean, that's just, that's old school, but I mean that that's that that's how it should be done. Mm -hmm. And it's like you appreciate it more when you you know you work hard, you put a lot into it, mm -hmm. and you know I show them even now, every job that I get, every uh, crime scene cleanup that I get, mm -hmm. I make sure I'm on every scene. I talk to the homeowner or. A family member you know mm -hmm. i make sure i let them know look everything is fine i've run the backgrounds on all of my technicians mm -hmm. i want to make sure everything is done and um, before we clear that scene we we do a walkthrough with them to make sure everything is is satisfactory done for them mm -hmm. and but it, it, it's big to to represent yourself in a positive way mm -hmm. absolutely shout out to you shout out to you and, and for doing that and going taking the extra step and going the extra mile Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, stand by. Sergeant Be Safe has something to say. Another one of the debuted uh, cartoons. You, you remember where you got to see it first. Sergeant Be Safe. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Captain Chaos, did you know that school bus safety is crucial for young students? Absolutely, Sergeant Be Safe. We must protect our little heroes from any danger. And here comes Maya. She's getting ready to go to school. Oh no! Look out, everyone! Uh-oh, that driver didn't stop for the school bus. Fear not! He's not gonna do that in my town. It's time for some superhero intervention. Get him, Sergeant B. Safe. Captain Chaos, let's go get him! Sergeant B. Safe, time to power up! He committed a terrible offense by passing a school bus with its stoplights on. He will need to prepare to face the consequences. 
Stop that car. Get out. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize the lights were on. I, I'll be more careful next time. <sighs> Listen, the safety of our children is of the utmost importance. Always be vigilant and attentive on the road. And remember, with great driving comes great responsibility. Thank you, Sergeant B. Safe and Captain Chaos for keeping us safe. Have a great day. I'm off to school. Maya, you have a great day at school, too. I'm glad everyone's safe and everything worked out. And as for this driver, he won't be driving reckless for a long time. In fact, you might see him crawling around, going from place to place. Drivers, remember, it's that time of year again. School buses cannot be passed if the stop sign or the lights are illuminated. You could lose your license for up to a year. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. And we're back. I forgot to mention, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Starting to Be Safe has his own YouTube channel as well. Um, these lives aren't on there. So if you want to see all of them, and we've got, we're already on season two. We've got over a year's worth, over maybe 50 videos. You, you go, go check them out on YouTube, Starting to Be Safe. And you can and check them out. Enjoy, comment, like, share. Uh, leave your, your thoughts. If you have any ideas on uh, uh, any angles to go forward, please feel free to drop those comments and let me know. But we're jumping back here in the interview with Michael Delaney here. We've had a great conversation, and we're going to continue moving it forward. I have a question for you. As uh, a senior instructor with Inside Policing, what are some of the most frequent questions that you get uh, from either students or, or that they ask you on situations that they handle out in the field? I would say um, a lot of times uh, we may have some – uh, veteran officers that may be skeptical about um, the, the the process of, of trying to recognize the uh, emotions and you know how I described it earlier, right? And I would say nine times out of ten, we've had those vet those same veterans that didn't think it would work. They would come back and say, you know what, I tried it and it works. <laughs> and that's what we tell people to. You know, we give you the base, the foundation, but you have to put this into your own words. Right. You have to make it fit into your career and, you know, mm -hmm. what your job may be at the time. But once you start to build on that, it, it will work. But it, it's that that was the main thing. Like, it, it doesn't work. What else can we do? Mm -hmm. And it's like, give it a chance. I mean, you have to give it a chance. And, and really, um, once you go through the sequence, once you learn the sequence and you understand it, then, um, and you, again, you build on it and practice on it, then it'll start to work for you. Gotcha. Gotcha. And dealing with emotions, like you said, on both ends, uh, how do you think it affects uh, us in law enforcement, the first responders, uh, to have unresolved uh, issues, angers, or emotions that just build up year after year? Like working a homicide, like you said, for at a high level for a long time. What are some ways that you found to decompress? So I think one of the things we deal with uh, mainly is um, we kind of lose our emotion altogether. Yeah. It's like go, going into the same car, like, okay, the uh, the names may change, but the situation is the same. Yeah, And I think it's kind of easy for us to get uh, caught into that 
we have to take each situation um, as being unique, as being its own situation. And once we could do that, um, then then we could start to 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 work towards a solution. And mm-hmm. if it is a homicide, then the solution uh, would be to find out who committed that homicide. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that uh, I would do to to decompress is to uh, we talked before the show mm-hmm. about my my kids at the time when I was in homicide. They were so active in sports and in school and just losing myself into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really helped me out. Uh, you know, a lot of times at their games, whether it be basketball or softball or wrestling, um, I would have my case file with me. But they they would always look over and see me watching them. And once they ran down the field, then I'm back into that case file again. But just to you, you have to have a life outside of policing, outside of whatever investigation you may do. You can't live this job. Um, and that's it. You have to have something else, uh, whether it's working out or reading or uh, fishing or boating or what have you, you have to find something that's going to occupy your time and and uh, help you get away from it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good point. And thank you for sharing that because it, it, it is important. We had a few guests on the show that uh, talk about um, some of them or officers that they've known where they identify themselves with the badge. And then after it's time to hang it up, it's kind of like they have no identity. But if you continue to work on yourself, continue to build yourself up and also have other hobbies to do then you don't have to what you're like okay that chapter is closed bam hang that up and move on to the next no you're right and that's that, that's why it's, you know i love doing this uh being a senior instructor with insight policing because it allows me to to deal with veteran officers like myself mm-hmm. and also to communicate and engage with these younger officers and find out what motivates them you know, because this is, a again, a, a new wave of policing. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm a dinosaur getting close to that 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 uh, phase, but um, Sorry. You know, I still want to be in touch. Yep. I got you. I got you. I, was, so I know I'm a dinosaur, too. I, I fake it like I'm not, but I know it. I know it. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, look, it's a place for us dinosaurs in this world. <laughs> Yeah, so we had a great interview. I appreciate you coming on here on the show and, and discussing uh, your businesses and say your experiences and trainings and things along those lines. And through the course of conversation, I may have forgot to ask a question or I may have jogged your memory. Is there anything else that you would like to put out here on the floor? Right now, the floor is yours. No, I mean, I think we covered uh, pretty much everything, man. I just, I would just say that never stop uh, uh, training, receiving training never stop talking to the community. Um, you know, a lot of times officers, we'll be in our cars. And I used to do this myself and close ourselves off from the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we sit in the car and, you know, we're just not, we're disengaged with, with the community. Um, it's a time and a place for everything, but you, you have to engage with the community, even in your cars, with, whether you're in uniform, whether you're in Walmart or 7-Eleven, you have to engage with people whether it's just saying, hello, how you doing? And, you know, because a lot of times officers are unapproachable. And yeah. if, if a, a citizen has come across one or two unapproachable police officers in their lives, that may be their only interaction with police officers. And they say, I'm not dealing with any police officers. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to be approachable because, again, you just don't know the information that these people have in the community. And, I mean, you, you don't want to be stressed out yourself. So... Let's just we need to practice being more open um, and so we can receive information 
and we can communicate with our community. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, like I said, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I got to meet you. Um, Maurice Hicks got to put us together. And uh, it was tremendous because we spoke on the phone a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago. Uh, and I, I, I was enjoying your energy. I'm like, yeah, we definitely got to link up and get this show going. And then the, the information that you put out here and sharing that is important because, again, trying to humanize the badge and showing what the experiences are like. You Laying the foundation of the house, like we said before, building that wall brick by brick. And you just laid down some mini bricks for all of us to digest. Yes, sir, man. Hey, look, I appreciate you having me here, man. And, you know, I, I, I'm glad. I appreciate the questions that people asked. And I just say to everyone, just stay safe and, you know, peace to everybody, man. We, we all need to get along and let, let's grow that uh, our communication within the community. There you go. Again, beautiful words. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Black and Blue. I'm your host, Coach Clee. We just interviewed Michael Delaney. We had a wonderful interview. If you missed it, make sure you catch the replay. If you have any questions that you think of afterwards, put them in the comment section. Absolutely. Thank you, Shayla. Put them in the comment section and let us know. We'll address it afterward, uh, first and foremost there. Uh, again, this is Black and Blue. We go live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where we interview individuals, first responders, and law enforcement officers that are a rookie, seasoned, and retiree on their trainings, experiences, and publications. And we do it, and we have a lot of fun doing it. So if you're looking to be on the show, reach out. The website's below. If you're in law enforcement and you want to hear those uh, trainings or those publications or hear other stories, this is your place. If you're in the public and want to see how we humanize the badge or things that we go through, this is your place. If you're looking to get into law enforcement and you, you kind of got kind of got one toe in the water and you don't know what to do or you have other questions, this is your place. Make sure you tune in and let everyone know about it. We go live again, like I said, weekly at 7 p.m. I am your host, Coach Clee, and I appreciate you guys. You guys stay safe. 10-4, over and out. All right. Thank you. Take care. Look at all the pretty butterflies in the sky. I guess I'll just cross the street here. Oh good, light's green. I'm glad I can go. Oh my gosh, watch out. Start to be safe, be small baby. Megan, watch out for that car. I got you. <gasps> oh, geez. I didn't even see that car coming. Oh, my gosh. Are you two okay? Yes, we're okay. Megan, you have to do a better job paying attention. I just wanted to cross the street. I didn't see you walking there. Megan, you just can't cross in the middle of the street. You have to go to the intersections and use the proper crosswalks. Wait for traffic to clear and then go. If you don't follow these simple directions, you could get a ticket for jaywalking, or worse, be hit by a car and seriously injured. I'll be more careful from now on. Ooh, look at the other butterfly. Oh my goodness. Sergeant B-Safe, you are the best. This is very true, thank you very much. I did have to turn on supersonic beast mode to jump and get Megan out of the way. Remember folks, look both ways before crossing the street and wait till the intersection's clear and cross at the crosswalks. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. <laughs>